0: We are going to be continuing our series on spiritual disciplines this morning, and um, remember before we jump in this morning where we are, the purpose of this series is to... Uh, Understand spiritual disciplines that lead to spiritual health and spiritual health is defined by the idea of biblical godliness or being Like god or becoming like god or becoming like christ Now some people think that's impossible and the reality is this side of heaven will never be perfectly Godly, but that is to be a goal that we are to be growing towards on this side of uh, of heaven while we're here we're to grow in our godliness we're to grow in our Christ likeness and that is done through uh, spiritual disciplines because uh, it, there are certain things that we have to do physically if we want to be physically healthy and there's also things that we have to do spiritually in order to be spiritually healthy and that's the whole purpose of this series is to look at these disciplines that will help us begin to gain spiritual health but we need to remember as well that just knowing these disciplines and knowing everything about them does not necessarily mean you're going to gain spiritual health. There actually has to come a point in your life where you begin to act out on these disciplines, where you begin to do as, uh, as um, uh, what uh, we just heard the prayer say, and that is not to just be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the Word. As Brother Justin shared just a second ago in his prayer, that when we we take the ideas, we learn them, we get them in our heart, we get them in our mind, and then we actually act out on them. And and so that's kind of where we've been coming from. Uh, And as we continue this morning, we're going to look at a discipline that I think is often overlooked and avoided for a lot of reason, and sometimes it's just plain neglected, um, but I think it's, there's a lot of reasons for that. But in relation to spiritual health, I think that it's, it's overlooked or avoided because we don't see much of a correlation to spiritual health. Like, we don't necessarily understand how this discipline enables us to gain spiritual health. Now, there's other reasons why it's ignored as well, and we may talk about those as we go through. But for the purpose of spiritual health, I think it's ignored because sometimes we don't correlate it as a discipline that will actually help lead us towards godliness. But I think, as we're going to see this morning, not only is this a vital aspect of our spiritual health, it is one where we see a great example from uh, the early church in the book of Acts, but But our greatest example of this is God himself, and that's how it ties into godliness. Because if we are to, if godliness is defined as becoming more like Christ or more like God, if God is our greatest example of this, then this is definitely tied to our ability to be godly. And so what I'm talking about this morning is the spiritual discipline of giving, Spiritual discipline of giving now to examine this this morning I want to look at some things and I want to look at two different passages, but I really want to encourage you this morning uh, To really tie into this message because a lot of times what happens when you hear the idea being preached on giving our mind almost immediately goes to money Oh, here he goes again. He's going to be talking to us about our money and how we spend our money and whether or not we're giving enough money to the church. I promise you, um, this morning we are going to talk about money. We're going to talk about some other things as well. But I, I'm not going to pass the offering plate again, okay? Uh, we're not going to go set aside and, and, and see how much money we have. By the way, there's some churches that do that. And they're it and come back and go, we didn't get enough. And, and and I'm not going to do that. But I really want us to look at this idea of biblical giving and how it relates to our spiritual health. So if you have your Bibles open in Acts chapter 2, I want us to start reading in verse 42. If you would stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning. And starting in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, the Word of God says this, and they, they being the church that is being um, flourished here after the preaching of the gospel, uh, there's a lot of people, 3,000 specifically, that were saved that day and added to the church. And then it says this, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all anyone had a need. So, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of the heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. God, I pray today that you would bless the reading of your word, and now as we examine it this morning, I pray that I would decrease and that your spirit living in me would increase and that the words would be shared again today as in every Sunday would not be mine but yours. And, Father, that you would impact us through your word, that we would be changed by it, uh, that we would be encouraged by it, that we would be challenged by it. Uh, Father, that we would be convicted by it or even comforted by it. Father, you know exactly where we are this morning. You know exactly what we need to hear. And I pray that you would speak to us in the way that we need this morning is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So with the book of Acts chapter two, there there is, there's so many things that this church, that this, this vital church is beginning to grow. And there's so many things that they um, show us and, and they give examples to on their spiritual growth or their spiritual health, the things that they're doing uh, that, that led them towards being healthy and how God blessed them and added to their church daily. And one of the things that we find in this text in particular is that they were a giving church. Now, I want you to know their giving was not like a lot of our giving today. It was way more than what we... Like a lot of times when we talk about giving... Um, Our our minds a lot of times especially in relation to money. We go to the tithe We give our 10 percent, and we're done Uh, But when you look at verse 45 in particular, you're going to see an attitude of giving that you just don't see much anymore Look at it with me. Verse 45 says and they sold their possessions And goods and divided them among all as anyone had a need This church came together and they began to sell off what they owned and they did that in order to meet the needs of other people in their church that had a need. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of giving is often not seen much anymore. We don't see that kind of giving anymore, although in times we do, and we should. But that what causes someone to be able to get to the point where they have that amount of faith, that much spiritual maturity, that they're willing to part with some of their most prized possessions and goods in order to give them to the benefit of the need of others. What enables people to be able to do that? And for us to answer that this morning, I want to talk about three specific biblical principles uh, about this idea of spiritual giving uh, before we dismiss this morning. The first one I want us to see are the exercises of giving. The exercises of giving. Um, One great misconception in the Christian faith today is that when we talk about giving, uh, that giving is um, really only about our money. We, we, we have a misconception that, that, that giving is really only about our financial gifts to the church. But while money is one aspect of what we should be giving, it is nowhere near the entire aspect of giving in relation to spiritual health or godliness. One of the most um, necessary muscles in our upper body um, that enables us to uh, get stronger um, is our tricep muscle. Um, now, the tricep muscle is an often overlooked muscle because of where it's located. The tricep muscle is located at the back side of your upper arm. It's right here. And a lot of people don't focus on this muscle because it's not one that is called the cool muscle I mean, it's not your bicep. Okay, so you don't do a lot of curls and get this big round ball that you can You know flex your arm and show off to everyone else But it's kind of there in the back of your arm But it is vital because that tricep muscle actually affects just about every pushing element in lifting for your upper body from your chest to your back, your shoulders. Almost every single one of those involve your tricep muscle. And, and one of the things that I've noticed working with people, especially when they lift weights, is... They they struggle with their they want to get a stronger bench press they want to get stronger on the bench press That's the common lift And so you start talking to them about some things that they need to do in order to strengthen uh, Their bench press and one of the first things you'll find almost every time with those that aren't gaining in their bench Is that they don't focus or train their tricep muscle They overlook it and the reason why it's overlooked is because it's almost forgotten about because of where it is But it's called a tricep muscle. And by the way, there's a point to this. It's called a tricep muscle for a reason it's it's one muscle but it exists and it has three heads to it and one lift will not maximize each of those heads so in order to really really focus on growing the strength of your tricep muscle you have to do at least two and most of the times three specific exercises because if you just do one, you're only going to be training one part of it. If you do another one, you're only going to be training another part of it. If you do the other one, you're only going to be training a third part of it. And so what you have to do in order to gain strength in it is you have to use all three exercises in order to strengthen that one muscle. Now, some of you are going, what in the world does that have to do with giving? Well, biblically, there are three There is only one idea of giving biblically, but it exists in three different ways. And in order for us to truly give at the manner in which we're to give according to Scripture and grow in our spiritual health or grow in our godliness is we need to exercise each of these three parts. They're all vital, they're all necessary, and they work together for one purpose, and that one purpose is the spirit of giving. And I want to give them to you briefly this morning. There's three of them. The first one is exercising the giving of our time You see not only is it about our money It's also about giving of our time We need to give of our time to serve the Lord To grow in the Lord To encourage others in the Lord To serve others in the Lord To to teach and equip others in the Lord There was an article I came across this last week It was called If you're 35 you only have 500 days to live And it kind of caught my attention because I'm just older than that 35 mark. And, and what the article does is it goes on to, to contend that when you subtract the amount of time that you will spend sleeping, working, tending to personal matters, eating, traveling, doing chores, and attending to personal hygiene, etc., that in the next 35 years, in the next 35 years, you will actually, when you take all that away, you'll only have 500 days To do anything else And I got to thinking that's not very many days (laughs) I mean, but when you look at it, we do We spend an awful lot of time on on things that don't matter very much But we spend a lot of time on it We spend time sleeping, uh, which is important But we we spend time doing things that aren't all that necessary And, And the point of the article was to get us to think The reader to think about their time and how they spend it And so the question that I want to ask you is how do you spend your time? When when you take all of the necessary things out of your life that that you have to do, things like sleeping, things like eating, uh, things like working in which to, to make a living to support your family, those types of things, when you take those out, how do you spend the rest of your time? And when you look at this early church, I think it was really interesting because they gave, and the emphasis is on giving of their possessions, but if you'll notice, they did it for a purpose, and that was to meet the needs of others. And listen, you and I don't meet the needs of others just by our giving of our money. We meet the needs of others sometimes just simply by giving our time. Sometimes it's our time. We just simply need to give our time. Number two is the exercise of giving our talent giving of our talent you see each and every person in this room has a has a god-given ability or in a talent that god has given you and he didn't just give you this talent he didn't just give you this ability so that people would think you're awesome or so that people would think you're cool or so that people will give you a lot of money god gave you a talent he gave you a special ability to use to serve him and so when we give, it's not just in our time, but it also involves using our talents. So what are you good at? Maybe you're a good painter. Maybe you're a good listener. Maybe there's, you've never seen a car that you can't fix the problem of. Maybe you're a good cleaner. Maybe you're an amazing cook. Uh, Maybe you're just you're good at something like that Then you need to think about these things and you need to ask yourself. How can I use my talent to serve the lord? How can I give of my talent to serve the lord? But most often we keep those talents to ourselves. Because we we want to use those for our benefit. We want to use them for our glory. We want to use them for our honor. And then, so when it comes to serving the Lord, we're not willing to step out and use them for him. We want them for us. But that's not the way we, we are to live. When we give, when we exercise giving, it's not just in our time, but it's also giving of our talent. And you need to ask yourself, what talent did God give you in order to use? And by the way, Your talents are not my talents. My talents are not your talents. There are some things that you can do that you're talented at that I'm definitely not. There are some things that I'm talented at that you're probably not. And that's why we need each other. You see, there's different ways to reach people. There's different things that they need. And therefore, we need to use all of our talents and abilities in order to do that. So God wants us to steward the gifts that he's given us, not just to make money or to make a living or to make a good name, but to serve him. And then the third way, the third exercise of giving is involving and does involve our treasure, the giving of our finances. In order to truly grow in spiritual maturity, we need to exercise giving of our treasure. Now, I want you to know this is where the rubber meets the road when it comes to giving. This is, this is what will really challenge you. Why? Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, For where your heart is, or for where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. You, you, you and I can sit around and say we love the church. We can say we love the kingdom work. We can say we love God and we, we love the ministry of the gospel. Um, we love the mission of the church to advance the gospel. We, we can say that with our mouths all day long, but our heart is what proves it. And Jesus said that your heart is discovered by looking at your treasure. I put it like this: I was I was encouraged one time. They said, "If you really want to know where your treasure, where your heart is, look in your checkbook." So I I opened up my checkbook and I began to discover some things that that weren't very good. Now, number one, I will tell you that Jen and I made a we made a, a commitment to each other and to the Lord when we got married that we would tithe. And we, when we tithe, it's the first thing we do. When we get paid, we we write our tithe check. That's our conviction. And that's what we do or that's what we strive to do I would not say we've been perfect at that because that would be idiotic But we have tried and strive to live by that commitment So I got to looking at our checkbook and I got to noticing that the tithe was there And then where was the rest of my money going? I will tell you a lot of my extra money was going to my stomach Fast food, restaurants, restaurants you know, just wherever I, you know, and, and I got, and I it convicted me a lot. And I made some changes, and then this last week when I was studying that, guess what I did? I pulled my checkbook out, and I went, oh, <laughs> we kind of fallen right back into that. And I got to thinking about all the amount of money that we, we, in my family, waste on food that we don't need because we have food at home, but it's convenient and we want it. And I got to thinking, man, where are your treasure is there your heart will be you see it's not just about giving of our tithe it's about supporting the ministry of the gospel and when you look at the church in Acts chapter 2 they definitely didn't just stop at giving 10% and walking away and doing the rest We're doing, with, doing whatever they wanted to do with the rest they, they gave everything to give in order to help others in need and that's where, that's why giving of our treasure, that's where the rubber meets the road because it, it's not, you can't just talk it. You prove it in the way you give. So there is the exercise of giving of our finances. Number two, the second thing this morning that I want us to look at real quick is not only are there the exercises of our giving that it takes in order to, to grow in our spiritual health and being godly, um, but I want you to see how we have an example of this. And this example, again, we could look at the churches, and I think there's some other examples where churches have shown this. Great example, Second Corinthians, Paul talks about uh, the Macedonian church where they gave a great uh, testimony to a church that gives an example of giving of their time, their talent, their treasure. One of the greatest ones is in Acts 17, the church at Antioch. And it's a great example of giving because it's not just about their money. If you go and read about the church at Antioch, they didn't just give of their finances. They actually gave of their leadership. They actually went to their leadership like their pastor and said, We love you, but they need you over there. And you need to go over there and help them. And they gave not just of their money, but of their resources and their leadership in order to. So there's some great examples. But the greatest example of what truly means to give and where we really start to see how giving of our time, talent, and treasure helps us develop in our godliness is the example that we're given by God himself. And it's in John chapter 3, verse 16. Now, I told you to put your finger in your Bible there. If you want to flip there, you can. Most of you know it by memory. But John chapter 3, verse 16 simply says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And in that text, and this would be a sermon in and of itself, but it's not going to be. I'm going to get through it really quick. But in this text, in that one verse, we get the example of godly giving from God himself. And it had three, three aspects to it. Number one is he gave lovingly. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave. God gave out of love. He gave lovingly a pastor once encountered a little boy standing out in the hall in between Sunday school and church and this little boy was sobbing he was crying he was upset and so the the pastor went over to the young man and said son what's what's the matter what's wrong and the guy's just tearing up and he's he's obviously hurting he's 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 upset he's got I me mean, he's tearing up slobber everywhere and he he finally says son calm down what what is the matter? What is wrong with you this morning? And, and he says, that, that teacher, she took my nickel. She took my nickel. And he went, what do you mean she took your nickel? And he went, well, she asked if we had any money, and if we had money, we needed to give it. And I had a nickel, and she took my nickel. She took it from me. And then the pastor sat there, and he tried to explain to him the importance of giving. And then he said, son, where'd you get the nickel? And he said, from my mom and dad. He said, well, what'd they give you a nickel for? And he said, to give to God. (laughs) And she said, well, what's the problem then? He she said, well, I didn't know God was going to send a teacher to take it from me. I thought I was just supposed to give it to him. And uh, so anyway, sitting there, and I was thinking about that story. And isn't that how some of us give? We, we give like he took it from us. Not that we gave out of love for him. You write your tithe check or you write your offering check. Do you do it in a loving spirit or in a begrud, begrud, begrudging spirit? Did I, did I give this because I love God or did he take it from me? God took it. From me God gave us the greatest example of how we give whether it's your time your talent or your treasure and it's a gift giving through love so we have this understanding that we need to give out a heart of love not that God's taking something away from us but we're giving out of heart of love after all it was out of the love of God that he sent his son for our salvation number two He gives us another example, and that is not only did he give lovingly, but he gave generously. You read that verse, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only, his only begotten son. God gave generously. Someone once said, God cared enough to give the very best. The very best. And indeed, when you look at the story of the gospel, it's no doubt that God gave his very best for us. And so the question is, do we give our very best to him, or does he just get our leftovers? And I'm not just talking about finances, church. It's not just about your money. It's about your time. It's about your talent. And it is about your treasure. Do you give God your very best, or do you give him your leftovers? That's a serious question because if we're not giving of our best, whether or not it's our time, our talent, and our treasure, we're not growing to give in a pace and in a manner like he did. Therefore, it hinders our spiritual health because our spiritual health is godliness, and that means being like God. And so God gave lovingly, and he gave generously. And so how do you give? Is it with a loving spirit? Is it in a generous spirit? Or is it in a begrudging spirit? That you give. And then number three, he gave purposefully. You look at it, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That's the best he could ever give. He gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God gave Jesus for a purpose. And that purpose is simple salvation. He gave Jesus to us for salvation. What we needed most. He had a redemptive purpose in mind when he gave us Jesus. And so we need to ask ourselves what is our purpose when we give? Let's talk about money again for a second. When I give of my tithe and my offering, what's my purpose? Am I giving to advance the gospel? Or am I giving for my tax break? Ask yourself when I give of my finances, is it to advance the gospel? Or is it so people will know that I gave and pat me on the back for it? When I give my finances, is it for the sake of the gospel? Or is it so I can lord it over everyone else? By the way, I haven't experienced any of those in this church, thank God. But in my ministry, I've experienced every single one of them in a church. It's heartbreaking. So when you give, what's the purpose in you give? How about your time? When you give of your time, is it because you have to? Because you grew up in a household that told you that that's what you have to do? You have to give God your time, or do you give because you love God? And because there's a redemptive purpose behind giving of your time, you want to see people saved. How about your talent? Do you give of your talent for the purpose of advancing the or do you give of your talent So people will pat you on the back And tell you how good you are When you give of your talent Is it more about building a crowd around you That's an audience for you That can give you what you want Which is the, the arrogance And the pridefulness that comes From knowing that you're needed Or you're wanted Or do you give simply out of a redemptive purpose I'm using what God gave me To advance the gospel And that's it there's no other purpose. In ministry, one of the saddest things I've ever experienced, and Brother Justin will probably attest to this, is uh, is men who serve in the ministry, but they don't do it out of love or generosity or for the purpose of the gospel. They do it for a stage and for a following and for a crowd. Here's something you need to know. Sometimes your ability will take you further than your integrity can keep you. We look around and we see it all the time. Right now, we're seeing it all the time. Pastors of megachurches, pastors who are prominent speakers, pastors who, are, who are, write these books that have a millions and millions of followers falling to immorality in their life. Now, I'm not going to say the only reason why they fail, but I will tell you this. The Bible says, be sure your sin will catch up with you. And sometimes your ability will take you further than your integrity can reach you. And so it's not about your ability and it's not about your crowd and it's not about what people think about you Whether or not it's your time your talent or treasure It's about giving out of love and generosity for the purpose of advancing the gospel. That's the example of god That's who we're to emulate and therefore we need to give in the same manner Lovingly generously and purposefully and then the last thing i'm going to cover real quick for us How do we get to that? How do we get to the point where we've grown in our spiritual health, when we've grown in our godliness enough to enable us to give like that, to, to, to give with a purpose out of love and generosity of our time, our talent, and our treasurer, to, to, to give like the church in Acts showed us an example of, to give and, and sell off everything that we have, to give to those in need? How do we get to that? Because I want you to know that is not an act of a spiritually immature person. That's the act of somebody who is very spiritually mature. So how do we get to there? In order for us to see that, I just want to give you four reminders. And these four reminders are essential in order for us to be able to give like that. And I'm going to give them to you real quick. Number one, you need to remember that God owns everything. Everything. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the contents thereof. Basically, what he's saying is everything in the earth belongs to God. He is the one that created everything. So get this He's the one that created you. And therefore, He's the one that created your talent. He is also the giver of your time. You and I are only here because God has appointed it for us to be here in time. The Bible says that we were created and fashioned in the womb by God. The Bible also tells us that our days are numbered by God. There's nothing you can do that will extend your day even a second beyond what God ordained for your life to last why it says that it is appointed and the man wants to die. You and all have an appointment and we're all going to meet that appointment. It doesn't matter what you're doing. I used to tell this to my wife. It didn't work. That's why it that shouldn't matter if I have a motorcycle or not Because if I have a motorcycle or I have a heart attack Or if I'm in an airplane or on a boat, it doesn't matter My day is appointed unto God and It doesn't matter what I'm doing And but she's like, well, you don't want to tempt fate So I don't have a motorcycle So anyway, but the idea is God's creator of everything Therefore he's created your, you so he's created your talent He's also ordained your time so he owns that as well And get this, he owns your money too Because you're not going to take a dime of it with you when you go You see, you and I are just stewards. We're just in in, in possession of for the moment, but you don't get to take it with you. Remember, God owns everything, including your time, your talent, and your treasure. And you and I would do very well to remember who the true owner of all of it really is. And it's not you. It's God. Number two, remember... You and I are just stewards. I just said it a second ago, kind of jumped ahead. I'll say it again. You and I are just stewards. That's all we are. We are managers of what he gave us. We're just stewards. We don't own it. And the reason why I know we don't own it is because one of these days you're going to take your last breath on this earth, and as soon as you take your last breath on this earth, it's no longer yours. Like you, you can, uh, you can You can do all kinds of things to try to take it with you, but you really can't take it with you. You say, well, I'll just... Have it all turned into gold and put in my casket and they'll bury it, and yeah, and somebody'll come dig up your casket and take it out. You can't take it with you. You can't take it from this life into the next life. It doesn't come. You've heard the saying, you naked you entered into the world, naked you shall return. You don't bring anything into the world when you come. You don't take anything out of the world when you leave, other than that which is spiritual. That's it. And you and I need to remember we're just stewards. And then, number three, we need to remember as stewards, you and I will give an account for how we steward God's resources. Jesus gave an example in, in Matthew 25, and I'm almost done. Just hang with me a few more minutes. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus taught the parable of the talents, and the idea is that his idea of the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 is that one of these days, the master or this master, he leaves his servants with things to steward, to, to take care of, to manage He leaves, okay? One of these days, the the master returns. And when he returns, he calls his stewards, his managers, to give an account of what they've done. And the whole purpose of that parable is a reminder that he, Jesus, is about to leave. He's leaving us to steward the message of the gospel And one day he's going to return. And when he returns, he's going to call us as his stewards to give an account for how we steward what he gave us, which is the gospel. And what we have to use in order to advance the message of the gospel is our time, our talent, and our treasure. And one of these days, as stewards, you and I will give an account. I don't know about you, but I would love to hear, well done thy good and faithful servant. Well done. Not away from me, you wicked servant, who did nothing. We will give an account. Paul talks about the idea of giving an account in both Romans 14 and 2 Corinthians 5. You and I will one day give an account. We will stand before our master, and we will give an account for how we steward God's resources that he gave us to advance the gospel. And then the last one is we need to remember eternity's at stake. Jesus was given to us by God because eternity was at stake, because people needed God to do what they could never do themselves. See, the Bible says that you and I, we have a relationship with God that was completely broken by sin. And when I say broken, broken beyond repair. Broken beyond our ability to repair. That there was a, a break in the fellowship between God and man in such a way that man could never get back to God no matter how quote-unquote good you were. Nothing you could do would ever be good enough because you and I were stained by sin and iniquity in our life. And God knew that. And instead of banishing us into our sin and, 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 or, or just starting completely over, God in his magnificent love and mercy promised all the way back in the book of Genesis that he would send a redeemer, a savior. And that savior and redeemer is Jesus. Jesus was given to us because eternity was at stake and he gave of his best to enable the bridge to be rebuilt between God and man not by what we do but by what he did on the cross you and I when we give whether or not it's our time our talent and our treasure we need to remember that people's eternity is at stake when we give of our finances people's eternity is at stake when we give of our talent, people's eternity is at stake. When we give of our time to go door to door or to witness or to 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 serve the Lord or to equip others in the Lord or whatever we're doing with our time to serve the Lord, eternity is at stake. Why do we need to really be able to give the way God did? Because people's eternity is at stake. When I was a minister at Lone Grove, I used to... Uh, ever. Periodically, not often, but but periodically, we would do our Sunday night worship time music song service via favorite hymn night, and we just come together. And I'd stand up here, and I, I just had one rule: if you call out a hymn that I don't know, you have to come sing it for me or with me, because there were some hymns I didn't know. And, and we had a, a few hymns that were always called out periodically, and and there was one hymn that we would get uh, that was called out quite often. And it was hymn number 569, and it's the hymn called Make Me a Blessing. And and normally when I did those services, I I would normally only do the first and last verse. And so there's a verse of that song that was done quite often in my time there that I heard over and over again. It's the third verse because it's only three verses long. It's the third verse of that hymn, and I want to read it to you. Listen to the words of this verse. Give as t'was given to you in your need. Love as the Master loved you. Be to the helpless a helper indeed, unto your mission be true. You and I were given a mission. That mission is to advance the gospel. And in order for us to do that, we need to give the way God did in love, in, in, in generosity, and with a purpose. And that purpose is the gospel. How does giving make us like God? Because it directly reflects what God did for you. He gave of his time, he gave of his talent, and he gave of his treasure for you.